My name is Mark Madison, and I am so very proud to have Fujitsu General America as a sponsor. At Fujitsu, they're focused on partnering with the best distributors and contractors to ensure that each Fujitsu heating and cooling system brings infinite comfort to every end user. This is Mark Madison. Welcome to my podcast on books and people. Today, our guest is Dr. Hal Urban. Since 1992, Hal Urban's been passionately dedicated to the character education movement and is recognized as one of the leaders in the field. He's been speaking both nationally and internationally since then. It all started with his best-selling book, Life's Greatest Lessons. He's the author of seven books, and I read his book, Positive Words, Powerful Results, in 2004, and it changed my life. Good morning, Mark Madison here. Welcome to On Books and People. We have the privilege this morning of interviewing Hal Urban. Hal, how are you this morning? I'm good, Mark. And you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. So uh, when did you decide to become a teacher? (laughs) Oh, I think when I was in high school, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. And um, uh, that was confirmed once I got to college. I had great teachers, professors that had a big influence on my life, and I wanted to be like them. So all I had to just make the decision between teaching in college or teaching in high school was the only decision I had to make. Who was the one person when you were in college that had the biggest impact on you? Well, I had a dean. Uh, I went to a Jesuit university, and I had a dean who was both my dean of students and and my history professor, and we became very close friends. And he gave me advice, uh, you know, not only academically, but uh, personal advice too. And he uh, really left that impression on me that educators ultimately care so much about their students. And I wanted to be like him. So he was the biggest. What was his name? His name was Father Smythe. He uh, went on even to baptize my children later. So that's how close we were. Oh, that's really cool. So you taught for how many years? Well, I taught uh, for in high school, well, for both. I taught full-time in high school for 36 years. And during those same 36 years, I taught as an adjunct professor at the University of San Francisco. Interesting. So you're a Don. Yeah. All the way. Yeah. (laughs) Big Bill Russell fan, are you? Uh, yeah, I, I was, he, he had some influence in me going to college because I went to USF on a basketball scholarship and it was right. It was shortly after they won the national championship two years in a row. So right. yeah, Russell, Russell had some influence on it. Yeah. He's a Seattle guy now. He's one of my mentors as well. I met him on an airplane oh. once. What a guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. His books, his books influenced my, me and my children as well. As you know, I'm a big basketball guy as well. So okay. I, I, why did you write your first book? Well, you know, I had been a teacher for, I think, uh, how many years? At least 20 or maybe 25 years I had been a teacher. And I, one of the things that I always thought about is that we did a really good job of teaching academic subjects to kids, but we didn't do anything about teaching them about the way life works. And yeah. um, I started looking around and, and I didn't really see anything for, for kids. And so I started writing down some of the life lessons that I had learned and realizing this is something I want to pass on to my own three sons and what I pa- want to pass on to my students. And so I uh, took, a, took a year off 
and and I wrote a book. The original title of it was Twenty Things I Want My Kids to Know. Right. But but so many adults were reading the book that when I published it with Simon and Schuster, they wanted to take kids off the title because they didn't want people to think it was a a children's book or a parenting book, and so sure. we changed it to Life's Greatest Lessons. And the subtitle is 20 Things That Matter. So basically, it's the 20 things that I wanted to pass on to the next generation. But a lot of people who were full-fledged adults seemed to really get a lot out of it. And and so it wasn't, it really was intended for kids, but it, it turned out to be an all-ages book. Were you surprised at the success? Yeah, I, I really was, uh, partly because I... You know, as a teacher, I didn't really make very much money, and I originally self-published the book, and I was selling about a thousand copies a month out of my garage, and it was the income from that book was making I was making more than my teaching salary, and wow. so that was that was the biggest surprise. But I was happy that the book caught on. Uh, I was starting to do a lot of speaking at that time too, and that helped the sales of the of the book. And, uh, yeah, so I was thrilled and, and because it did well, then Simon and Schuster asked me to write two more books on a two book contract. And I was happy to do that, even though it was a lot of work. When did you write positive words, uh, powerful results? Yeah, that was my second book. And they asked me if there was uh, something that I wanted to expand, and I, sh- I knew absolutely. I said there was a, a chapter in my first book, Life's Greatest Lessons, is called Kind Words Cost Little But Accomplish Much, and I knew that I could write a lot more on that particular subject. So it was maybe less than two years after uh, I published uh, Life's Greatest Lessons that I started uh, working on that book. And um, it it's it's done uh well too i i get a lot of feedback on uh actually on quite a few of my books but mostly on those those two well I, in 2004 i was in a barnes and noble and i stumbled on uh on your book positive words and it literally changed my life and that's oh. the reason i reached out to you uh there's so there's so many there's so much great information in that book but there's one one of my favorite parts is and this ended up in one of my books, so I didn't realize how much I'd stolen from you until I, yeah. I reread it just recently. But there's one passage where you say, you wouldn't let somebody come in and dump garbage in your living room. Oh, yeah. You know, I actually heard that in a speech. I was over in Oakland. I was going through a very down time in my life. And uh, do you remember Zig Ziglar? Oh, yeah, it really is true. Yeah, okay, yeah, no, and, and he was speaking at the Oakland um, Coliseum, and I took a day off from school, and I said it was a whole bunch of different people speaking him and Dennis Waitley and a few other people, and sure. and Ziegler was the highlight for me, and he gave this wonderful speech, and, and he said, would, would you let people walk into your living room with two huge sacks of garbage and just dump them <laughs> in your room. And, and of course the answer was no, I wondered what he was getting at. And then, and then he said, do you let people dump garbage into your mind? And, right. and, um, you know, the, my main point, even with my students, I always emphasize, I said, your words can be toxic. They can poison the atmosphere or they can be nourishing. Uh, they can en- enhance life. And yes. so, um, and I had another great influence too. I, I think I'm pretty sure I wrote about him in the book. I had a colleague 
His name was Tim Hansel, and he wrote yes. a couple books himself. And yeah, on fatherhood. I read them. Yeah, yeah. they're awesome. Okay, and Tim... Tim was like a human magnet, and one, it took me a while when I, after I first met him to figure out what it was that was so special about him, and he and I would eat lunch together every day, and, and, and finally I, I realized, I, and all the time I've known him, I'd never heard anything negative come out of his mouth. Everything he said was positive, and I asked him about it, and he said he was really lucky. He grew up in Seattle. Um, he said he grew up with parents who were very positive and the family motto was always have something good to say. Yes. And how, you know, how simple, but how powerful. And I've never, ever forgotten that. And he had an enormous impact on my life. And, and I've tried to, you know, to pass it on to, to others. And I've given presentations all over the world about positive words, powerful results. It's so funny you mentioned Tim Hansel because he had a profound effect on my parenting philosophy. I read his, I devoured his books. And okay, yeah. I, I agree. I, I think he had, he had an extraordinary story and just some great insights. You, you uh, in, on page 64, you say three things. You say, be thankful, uh, yeah. go out of your way to compliment people mm -hmm. and be funny. Can you expand on that a little bit? Well, be thankful comes from my mother. That that was the, uh, the, I mean, she taught me a lot of fabulous things. She lived to be 95 and she was, fortunately, she never lost her memory. And, and so I was really blessed to have my mom for such a long period of time. But when I was a small kid, she, she said the happiest people in the world aren't the people who have the most. The happiest people are the people who are thankful for what they do have. Yes. And that never, ever left me. And I... I've thought many times about, you know, writing a, a book on thankfulness, but I think there's at least 50 books uh, <laughs> on the market and they're right. good. I, I've looked at all of them, uh, most of them, and, and they're all good. But anyway, that's just my attitude. It sounds corny to say an attitude of gratitude, but I really right. do have one. And I remind myself just how blessed I am and how fortunate I've been in my life for both the ups and the downs. So that's the, that's the, um, uh, the thankful part. Now, I think the second part, what uh, your question was about to tell people or. Yeah, it was compliment being a good finder. Well, yeah, that's, um, I think that's really important too, because uh, I think f especially for parents, when I speak to parents, which I still do a lot, I always tell them find, find the good instead of the bad. You know, I said my most parents and teachers, uh, they'll, they'll get you when you do something wrong, but when you do something right, uh, they, they don't. In fact, I used to have a, when I was a teacher, there was, there was a thing at our school called a referral. It was officially called a referral. And if a kid did something misbehaved, they got a referral and the kids had a nickname for it. They called it a bad kid notice. They said, Oh, they're talking say, yeah, I got a bad kid notice. And I said, well, what does the school do when you do something good? And they said, nothing. And so I, so I made one up and it's called a good kid notice and it was in yeah. school colors and, and I would mail it home to parents. This is back in the days before email and I would mail it home and say, I, uh, you know, I caught your kid doing something good that you'd want to know. and just wrote a little note and my gosh, the response to that stuff was overwhelming. I still remember one parent said my, my son has been in that school for three and a half years and we've gotten a lot of 
over the years, we've gotten a lot of things about what he did wrong. He said, this is the first time we've ever heard that he did anything right. The first and, time. Uh, Boy, is that a sad yeah. testimony to our culture? Well, it what? is. It is because, well, for one thing, I think it's because teachers are overwhelmed and people just don't think about, hey, let's bring out the best in them. And, and that's right. kind of my motto as a parent or teacher is bring out the best in your kids. Because I speak to teachers all the time and that's what I tell them. Your ultimate responsibility is to bring out the best. You have to look for it. Once you find it, tell them what you found. That's what yes. I, I always tell them. And, and then some, let's see something what, powerful about writing it down. Oh, yeah, there, there really is. You know, like there, just to give you an example, and these things are so simple. There's a, there's a young man that writes a column once a month in a local newspaper that I have. And the, he wrote one the other day. It was called Symbol of Hope. And his picture there is with a big smile. And, and it was, it's just a beautiful message. And his email's at the bottom. And so I thought, well... I'd send him an email and I said, hey, Jonathan, I, I just want you to know I read your column all the time. And I said that your title symbol of hope was uh, symbolic of what you write all the time. I said, you're a symbol of hope and I really mm. appreciate your uplifting message. And, you know, boom, here comes the message back. And and he just greatly appreciated it. And it, what did it take me? It took me three minutes maybe to, right. to do that. But But sometimes we just don't let people know. Um, and you know, a nourishing word sometimes really lifts the spirits and sometimes more than at other times. So you never know about the impact that it, that it might have. Well, you, you know, teachers have had a, and coaches had a profound effect on me, but my favorite teacher in high school was Susan Hall. She taught German and I still, still speak German to this day. I married a woman whose mother oh, really? was German. Oh, okay. And I was speaking in Yuma, Arizona to 500 contractors in 2008. And I invited Susan uh, to come, and she didn't know this, but in my PowerPoint slide, I don't use that anymore, but I, I did back then. And I had five great things I got from Susan. And I, and I had her stand up and I read those five things. And I thanked her from the bottom of my heart. And then 500 contractors stood up and gave her a standing ovation. Oh, that's wonderful, yeah. And it's amazing how powerful that that can be to just uh, to just affirm people. I, you know, I have it, it's, it may sound really silly, but you know how people always when you greet somebody and you say hello and the other one says hello. And then what's the next what's the first question you get as soon as you say or you greet somebody? It's how are you? Yes. OK. And the standard answer is fine. I always say. Uh, again, it may sound corny, but I said, well, I was good, but I'm better now that I've seen you. <laughs> now, this is this is somebody that I know. So it's somebody that I like, and I really do mean that. Yeah. I, I love being around people. I grew up very, very, very introverted, and I'm not anymore. But but people, some people, well, some of the women will say, oh, you're so sweet, or you're so kind, and, and um uh, Somebody else will, will just laugh, think I'm making a joke, you know, and right. so every once in a while somebody will follow up and I say, no, I said, we, that's our job to enhance each other's lives. In fact, yes. that's what I, my friend, Tim Hansel, we were talking about him and I said, the highest compliment that I can give another person is to say, you're a life enhancer. And there are people that are like that. They just, they go around and spread joy to, yes. to other people and and I wanted to, to do that, too, to make up for all the grumpy times I spent in my life. Right. We've got some work to do, don't we? I, I came across a formula. Uh, I call it CIA. And it's a really simple thing. And I do this. 
when I'm presenting, I get there an hour, hour and a half before, and I get all set up. And there's invariably there's someone that gets there early, and it's usually he is there with his wife. And I'll walk up, and the C stands for compliments. So I'll say, "You have way too much hair for a guy your age," right? <laughs> and it, there's one. always there's always a smile. Or I'll say, "It's nice you brought your daughter," you know, referring to his wife. Oh, okay. And she thinks that's like the sweetest thing ever. Oh, and yeah. And then the yeah. I stands for introduction, and I say, "Hi, Mark. I'm Mark Madison. I'll be presenting today." And and then I say, "How did you guys meet?" And that's the A in CIA. And I I just ask a simple question. Yeah, yeah. And everybody has a great "How I Met Your Mother" story, right? Oh, and even right. if they don't, they're proud of their own story. Yeah. And what I've really done, and you know this because you've you've spoken thousands of times, is you make a friend in the audience. Oh yeah. Right. And now during my presentation, I can look at those folks. I can even call back to their name or the fact that we met. Yeah. But it's such a simple formula. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. And, and I know you're not always able to do this, but in a lot of my presentations, uh, especially if they're not thousands of people, uh, I try to stand at the door as they come in and make eye oh. contact and shake hands with them and so on. Nice. I was at a conference in Washington, D.C. in October, and I think I had about, it was a breakout session at a conference, and I had about 140 people. And it it, it kind of threw them off, but they were they were happy to to, to be personally welcomed and so on. That's what I did as a teacher. I greeted my students every day, every period at the, at the door. Oh, and that's I taught awesome. them, I taught them eye contact, smile. Uh, the physical part of the greeting is their choice. They can give me a high five, shake hands, give me a hug, whatever they wanted to do. Right. And, uh, yeah, that, that personal uh, connection really, really makes a big difference. Well, in the third part of that uh, advice in the book, you talk about the funny and there's actually a whole bunch of information here about the therapeutic benefits of laughter uh can your words make people laugh and you've got just a priceless uh, series of hilarious quotes uh from one <laughs> ads to signs yeah you know doberman pincher smart young yeah. strong good guard dog eats anything loves children that's one of my favorites. I actually, it's from a story. I was actually looking for a new dog because our dog had died and I was raising three little boys by myself and that dog was really important. And I had a friend say, you get a new dog as fast as you can for those kids. And yes. so I was looking at, that was back in the days when we had one ads and I was looking in the right. one ads and I actually found that and, and I laughed out loud, you know, yes. I, I didn't get that dog because I didn't want one that ate children, but, um, <laughs> Yeah. You got another one here. It says all dogs and some children should be kept on a leash. Oh, that was a sign in a park down in Georgia when I was down there. <laughs> I just I got the biggest kick out of that. See, my my favorite type of humor is unintended and unexpected. People yes. are not trying to be funny, but it 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 comes out uh, funny. I remember a, a a teacher had a bunch of students write to me after they. Uh, they read my book, uh, Life's Greatest Lessons, when it was called 20 Things I Want My Kids to Know. And and um, this little girl wrote me a letter. She's like in the fifth grade. And, and she said, we we really, really loved your book. And, and Mrs. So-and-so uh, had us read it. And she said, my mother tells me I'm a better person since I read that book. And um, And then she wrote, my mother is young and pretty uh, and single. Are you married? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, just uh, not trying to be funny, but I've got a lot, a lot of laughs out of that. So I've, I collect those 
things that, like I say, they're unintended and unexpected, but they yes. come out funny. Consider uh, customers who consider our waitresses rude should see the manager. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh see, those things make me laugh, even oh, though I wrote, wrote them down and, and I, I know. And the nice thing about those, you know, when I was teaching, I could only, if I had a good joke, I could only tell it once a year because I had the same audience every day. Right. But w once I started speaking, I realized, oh, this is way easier than teaching because I can take the same jokes from yes. audience to audience and they haven't heard them before. They haven't heard you. <laughs> the, church, the church bulletin, don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, oh, I mean... It's just, it's such a great book. So, so how, how does someone get a hold of one of your books? Well, there's two ways. Uh, the, the first four books I did are published by Simon and Schuster and those books are available anywhere, Amazon or so on. A lot of people still like to get autograph copies and they go to my website, which is halurban.com. And I, you know, personalize the books for them and, and so on. But anyway, that's those first four. And then I have three other books, one for one for teachers and two for families. Those are, I published them myself and they're, they're all on my website, all seven of the books. That's halurban.com. Right. And if somebody wanted to, to, to hire you to speak, I speak to a lot of corporations and I have to believe that there's, you know, hundreds of companies out there that would love to have you speak. How do they get a hold of you to do that? They can either call me or email me or go to my website, one of the one of the three. The website's halurban.com, and it's got all my other uh, contact info there. So that's usually how uh, how people do it. I get an email or a phone call from uh, from people. That's awesome. Uh, what advice would you offer somebody? Because we're talking about how words change people's lives, and mm -hmm. one of the things I told my kids, I have three sons as well, and when I, one of the things I told them when they were young was your future's so bright, it burns my eyes. You're going to go so much I'm farther sorry, than sir. I, oh, okay. I say your future's so bright, it burns my eyes. Okay. You're going to go yeah. so much farther than I ever did in school, sports and business. And I told them that over and over and over again, they heard it yeah. hundreds of times and guess what? It, it actually happened. Right. So, so for somebody who struggles with being negative or uh, criticizing or condemning or judging, how, how does somebody go about changing that? Well, I think again, if you if you have um, you know another thing Ziegler says is you are what you are because of what goes into your mind. Yes. All right. And so it's what's going into your mind. So in your case with your sons, you say your future is so bright, so on. Uh, you were positively reinforcing them all of the time. You were you were saying that, and it was it was positive information going into their mind. So in most kids that have a bad self-image or, or what a bad attitude or whatever, it's probably because a lot of negative stuff has been going in their mind. It could be from a bad home life. Yes. It could be from associating with the wrong people. Right. Um, so with me, I know I found it in reading. I, uh, I grew up in a very, very negative, uh, my, my father, he, although, although he was a good man in many ways, he never said anything positive. It was always negative, and he was right. always complaining and swearing. And that was the atmosphere that I, I grew up in. And I realized later, I was really thankful that I got a college education, that that I had a lot of other options, and that was to to make sure that I had a stream of positive 
information going into my head all the time, you know, even when I'm not in college, when I'm out on my own. And, and so I've always read books about personal development and growth and taken additional courses and, and things of that nature. It's just um, constant nourishment, put it that way. Yes. Well, we have similar stories in that respect as well. And I, I just remember coming home from a, a having played the perfect basketball game. I was 15 for 15 mm -hmm. from the line, five for five from the field. We beat our arch rival. I had a dozen rebounds. We're in first place. And I thought, this is, I'm finally going to hear, you know, something positive from my dad. Yeah. And he said, you played lousy defense. Oh, you know? And, yeah. Your and, dad and my dad probably came from the same generation. They yeah. can, and they call themselves the greatest generation. I think it's a bit arrogant, right. you know? Uh, yeah. I've, I've never bought into that. I always <laughs> think the greatest I've always thought the greatest generation is the current one because I think each generation gets better, even though the old timers keep saying my days were the best. I don't believe that. No. And, uh, but, you know, my, I, again, I think our parents, especially our dads, uh, my dad in all, all the years he lived to be 85, he never once told me he was proud of me. He never once told me he loved me. He did. He was proud of me. He did love me, but he couldn't say that. And he so didn't we, know how. He never... Yeah. Yeah. No, he didn't. And we never, cause I remember I have a friend recently, his dad died and he said, Oh, my dad and I had so many wonderful conversations in our lifetime. And I said, Joe, you're lucky. I said, I never had one meaningful conversation with my dad in his entire, you know, the entire time that we were together. That's so so sad. I made up for it with my own kids. We, we talk a lot. <laughs> yes. I talk to my kids almost every day. And it's just, and I have that kind of relationship that, you know, that took years and years to foster and, and, and enhance. Yeah, it so, does. It does. Well, I, my gosh, this was so great. I wish we had another half an hour, but uh, the clock's ticking. What a uh, parting shot. What, uh, what advice would you offer someone? Well, I, I, I think, um, you know, in the, the book that I recently wrote, it's about the essentials of a quality life. And I, and I said, uh, it's, it all starts with attitude. Attitude is a control center of your life and you're in charge of it all the time. You can't blame anybody else. Viktor Frankl's book. Yes. Uh, Man's Man Search, Search for Meaning. For meaning. Yeah. Oh. The, the, the last of human freedoms. Uh, the last freedom you'll ever have is the ability to choose your own attitude no matter what the circumstances are. And I've never ever forgotten that. That book uh, was given to me at a time when I was going through the most painful period of my life and it really changed. It realized, hey, I've got to change my attitude and then my circumstances are going to change and everything flows from that whatever's going on in your head uh you know uh jesus said what what uh what comes out of your mouth reveals what's stored in your heart so if you have good things stored in your heart then you're going to say positive and sincere things and and uplift other people oh and uh, since we talked about ziggler so much he said it really is true you can have everything oh, yeah. you want. I mean, everything you want if you just help enough yeah. other people get what they want. Yeah, her. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I didn't tell you, but that day I stayed after, even though there were thousands of people there that day, but he was down there hawking books, and I yeah. got one, and I got to talk to him for a while. And it was it was really fun. And, and I, uh, in fact, I have a chapter in one of my other books that's, that's called uh, you are what you are because of what goes into your mind. And I sent it to the Ziegler family and they were really appreciated, uh, appreciative of it because they still run his business. Yeah. He was speaking right up until the day he died. He was one of my yeah. mentors. I, uh, he and my publisher, Charlie Jones were good friends and 
Okay, you know, I heard yeah. Zig speak in 94 and literally it changed my life. Yeah, well, no, he was, he was the real deal too. You know, I mean, besides that, he was so funny. And he was so funny. He, did, he was a secular pastor, really. Yeah. Yeah. He was just like, you know, Mr. Um, uh, Mr. Rogers, he, yes. he was, uh, he was actually an ordained Presbyterian uh, minister, but his yes. ministry was to kids. I'm reading his biography right now. I read a lot of biographies and um, I'm reading it now. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Fred Rogers. I can't wait to see Tom Hanks in the movie. Well, Hal, oh, thank yeah, you we so much. Oh, yeah, we want to see that, too. Yeah. It's on my Thanks, list. Thanks, Mark. Uh, uh, this has been a, a fun time. It's gone by too fast. Uh, Way too fast. We do it again. Yeah. <laughs> well, and uh, Hal, make it a great day unless you have other plans. It, you've already made it a great day, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Take good care. Thanks a bunch. Okay. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Fujitsu General America. And like this podcast, they're focused on education and development. From the day they sold their first comfort system in North America, they've been unwavering in their focus on training. It doesn't matter if it's application, installation, or service. A better trained technician brings better value to the homeowner. So when you're looking for infinite comfort, think Fujitsu. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website www.sparkingsuccess.net And remember, make it a great day unless you have other plans. <laughs>